Hello, Fight Fan. You're listening to MMA Daily, the station on Anchor, where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial art. Gabriel, you can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I am joined by a very special co-host. It's been a while since we've done a Wednesday show. So happy WCW to Miss Kayla Beatty. Yeah, that's true. Well, we might have to bring back the our WCW segment next week if we stick with this Wednesday show. Hey, G. Hey, guys. I You can find me. I'm Kayla at fangirl underscore MMA. G, how are you? I am doing well. I've been very busy since our last week on our last show. Just um, a lot of stuff, a lot of work coming up that you guys are going to be see just shared on social media coming up soon. What about you? Yeah, same thing. Just grinding away. I'm excited for our fight night this Sunday. And of course, excited for UFC 225 on Saturday. But yeah, Sunday should be fun for sure. Oh, definitely. It's always nice to be reunited and we'll drop some stuff for that um, if fans, uh, you know, see us and want to say hi. So we always appreciate that. But yeah, just a lot of stuff. Kayla, I hear birds chirping in the background. Are you the MMA princess talking to the animals or what's up? (laughs) Like Cinderella action? Yeah, um, I have a snoring dog to my right and a few birds outside to my left it's nice you know you just attract the animal mma fans just (laughs) every time whether it's oliver whether it's the dogs the cats the birds now what what are what's the secret what are you feeding them (laughs) they're not even my pets but i just get lucky i find my human roommates aren't so much into mma but the animals like you said that cat was so into our show and these dogs are the same way well that is awesome but yeah so we really have quite the show also i want to shout out to my friend and listener miss vixen deville i was at her show on friday after the fights in utica and really just she is a big fan she shouted out uh mma uncaged and She's a big fan of the program and a supporter of ours. So, Vixen, I know you're listening. Thank you for all of your support. Kayla, it's been a very busy week because we are recapping the fight night. And there's a big one, obviously, on Saturday with 225. So let's get it started. UFC Utica, Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Moraes. I mean, we were both expecting quite a battle, both men. Very versatile, very tough, lots of skills between the two of them. And Marlon just needs 30 seconds. I mean, what did you think of that one? Yeah, that's how you do it in the main event. And that's how you get yourself into, you know, just closer to that title shot. I feel like it was very similar to a Frankie Edgar, Brian Ortega type of situation. Jimmy Rivera's name was being thrown around as being a top contender, maybe a fight away from a title shot. And Marlon just, you know, went in there and shut that down. Now has everybody talking about him. Um, I just saw something pop up today that he says he has practiced that specific kick over 10,000 times in the gym. So that's what, you know, some hard work gets you is, is a great performance and everybody talking about you a week later. Yeah, I mean, for me, when I break down that kick, um, one of the things about that is that he set it up so early. I I know for myself, anytime I even ever came close to really connecting with it, it was because I'd been with the person a while. I was able to get them to think about the hands, think about the low kick. And really, both of them were still feeling each other out. And then Marlon just sees an opening I guess you got to imagine he predicted that Jimmy Rivera was going to have his hands low, probably because he's getting ready to change levels to get him to the ground. Mm -hmm. But really just so impressive that he got it so clean. Um, Some people were saying it's a it was a bit of a premature stoppage that they could have let it go for a second. Kayla, when I saw Jimmy kind of turn his head and kind of not react, he was just kind of eating shots, even if it was just for one. I felt like it was clean. What about yourself? Yeah, the first time I saw it, like in the moment, um, I felt the same way. And then when I watched it back, I think that the way um, that you could even see his once we saw his face and once he got up, he looked out. So I, I don't think that it was an early stoppage. 
Yeah, I think on those, I, I will acknowledge Jimmy did get right back up. So only he can say or, you know, someone right there, was he out? Was he just, you know, hurt and he ate a shot before he got back up? Body language is everything. If you are on the ground, you're eating a shot, you're not reacting. The ref isn't fully within his rights to stop that fight. Just that for your own safety. I think the body language is what did it. But Jimmy did pop back up relatively quickly. So I get in the moment, like you said, why it was fast. Um, obviously now Marlon just, I think people are sleeping on him. And I said this last week because of the Rafaela Sunset lost. People felt like Marlon was going to destroy him like he's been doing to guys lately. So there was kind of like you were not in UFC, so you were fighting less competition. Now you have not even a title contender, more like just a top five guy who really beat you solidly. So people were kind of, he lost that hype. I'd like to say, I think he's kind of gotten his groove back. He was very dominant in World Series of Fighting. His run there, he defended the title, and he had a lot of stoppages, too. I'm very excited to see him fight the winner of TJ and Cody. Um, obviously, that one is expected to be in August. Hopefully, everyone stays healthy. But, Kayla, let me ask you this one. If you had to pick which one you'd rather see him fight, would you rather see him fight TJ or Cody Garbrandt? Um, I, think I mean, it's two good options. Yeah, I think TJ... Um, just because I think, I mean, not, both men are obviously not lacking skills, but I think there's something that's a little bit more gritty where I could see maybe, you know, um, the fight being a little bit more versatile with that, with those two against each other. Um, but then I don't know the striking that would go on between Cody and, and Marlon would be pretty intense too. Um, but I, for some reason I'd rather see TJ. What about you? I mean, it, it, a little similar. I mean, when I think about it, how could you not want to see Cody and Marlon just throw some hands for a while in there? I mean, that would just be so much fun. But uh, I think when you talk about TJ, you're talking about, like you said, a more versatile fighter. I think he would really force Marlon to use his ground game, which is also very competent. So I think you would see a more complete mixed martial arts fight. So, And I also think that coming from World Series of Fighting, I think there's a bit of that you want to prove that you were always the best. And to do that, you got to beat the one who's champion in UFC while you were doing your thing. And I think that would be TJ Dillashaw also, if you're talking about Marlon Moray's story. Um, but I do think the Cody Garbrandt fight might, I actually would argue that one's a little grittier because I think there's just, they're just going to want to really take each other out. I think the way they fight, it would just be so exciting. But I think the TJ fight has a little more drama because of the other elements to it, like you said. But yeah, a lot of fun stuff. Just really um, nice finishes. If you, I'm, I'm sure you saw it like I did. Ben Saunders taking out Jake Ellenberger. Gregor Gillespie with the choke. Um, the What is it? Jose Torres, the slam, the self-knockout. That one was crazy. So it was a fun night from Utica. What did you think? Yeah, I think overall there was definitely um, some highlight performances for sure, just highlight event um, things that occurred like that slam KO. So it was an entertaining card. Um, and though I wanted to see the main event go a little bit longer than that, um, it, again, when you see these really exciting finishes and one that kind of boosts someone's career, how can you not be happy? No, I agree. Um, Kayla, let me ask you. So a lot of fighters who are in attendance were tweeting out stuff like, dude, this might be the weirdest city ever to hold a UFC event. I looked it up. Um, Utica, among its other names, one of them is the town that God forgot. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. What do you think about all that coming out? I mean, I don't know much about Utica. That's <laughs> pretty hilarious that, that it has that nickname um i do know that yeah some of the fighters just in their post-fight speeches were talking about how it's a weird city I, I i want people to go into more detail about why it's so strange i mean you see some weird stuff out there um the funniest one laura sanko on the broadcast was doing a segment and she said um anytime whether it was the taxi the bus the uber whatever the drivers would all say, you look like you're from out of town. Are you here for the fight? 
and said uh, that uh -huh. was the same for all the reporters, the media, the fighters, the production team. So I think that says a lot that it's like, oh, you guys must not be from around here. It must be that UFC thing. The people, I guess, are very um, specific. Okay. Well, yeah, now I want to, I think when we get off our phone call, I might Google the city of Utica. I wish more people uh, put up some Insta stories or Snapchats. Yeah. So I can hey. Utica. Hey, if any listeners are from Utica, you know, feel free to call in and let us know. What is it so special about your city or lack thereof? And that makes it special. I think that's very interesting. Um, some MMA news. So this one, I'm not going to lie. I kind of, it was like everybody was talking about it that I had to see it myself. The Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, Bare Knuckle FC, got social media buzzing on Saturday night. You had a lot of the MMA media going, a lot of fighters talking about it, a lot of media members talking about it. Um, Kayla, first off, what did you hear about it? Did you catch it what did you what were your thoughts as you heard it popping up because I'm sure you saw it just like I did well yeah I had heard about it I think like a month or two back from some boxing friends actually in Vegas because they knew two people that were going to be fighting on the card um I've been meaning to watch it but weirdly enough every time that I think to watch it or this morning when I was going over our recap I was eating breakfast and I'm like, oh, and my stomach's been feeling kind of upset like all week. So I'm like, I don't know if this is the best time to watch <laughs> a bloody fight. So, yeah, I, I've only really like looked at read about it. Um, I have seen a lot of the different opinions on whether or not it was something that's going to, um, I guess, shed a good light for it or vice versa. Um, but, you know, there were some notable names in there and a lot of um people in the community whether it's like broadcasting teams or managers that are more supportive of it so so i i don't know it's hard for me to have an opinion on the actual event because i haven't watched it yet but um i don't know i, I think that some people found it entertaining and i guess uh what did, what did you think of the actual fights do you think it was too much okay so um i was talking with someone about that and my thing about it um I got there and I immediately see, uh, I want to say, what was it, um, Sam Shepard, something. I, I apologize, sir, I forget your name, but 13-second KO. And I was like, dude, is this what I'm in for? Mm -hmm. And the way I describe it is that it is very raw. So, for one, you can't tell that they are fighting a lot differently than, let's say, if they were just boxing with MMA gloves, like they just want to stand up with each other and throw hands like you see all the time mm -hmm. or if you watch boxing you could tell that there was just the higher likelihood of more damage not just to your hands but to the other person and that kind of was interesting because it ups the danger factor more than I can recall thinking for like MMA or boxing but at the same time when I was watching it there were so many times where I was like dude you're like right there throw some knees there's so much more that you could do to make this even more devastating and more exciting that the fact that they just kept it bare knuckle almost i felt worked against it um i will say this the pacing was good a lot of fights ended quick others especially getting toward the later rounds they were fun but as they went longer you kind of got i felt like i was checking out a little bit because it was like hey, you know, I thought they were supposed to go down quick. And when that stopped happening, I felt like that's when you could see more of the, I guess, the flaws in that, in the competition, so to speak. So I will say oh, this. Go ahead. Because so, uh, I, I haven't looked into, I guess, um, the rules um, or, or plan of, of what's allowed and what isn't. So is it just standing and striking? Is there not... Like, is it, is it MMA without gloves or is it just like a boxing, boxing without gloves? Uh, pretty much boxing without gloves. No okay. kicks, no knees, all hands. Um, and then so I, I, I want to say, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so that just seems, you know, like it, it's going to only cater to people that, like you said, maybe want to see something more raw that don't um, necessarily want to see all the other elements that come into play with MMA. 
Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I think the appeal of it is um, there's that danger factor, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little more raw, but in terms of that, I felt like I felt like I understood why it was a more substandard product. I'll say it like that. Um, that being said, I will say this. A lot of fighters, they're like, hey, you know, there's not a lot of money in UFC right now for me, or maybe they're let go for performance maybe they're just gotten older in the competition they can't keep up with the high level that you had a bunch of fighters saying i wouldn't mind trying bare knuckle it sounds like it could be a good avenue and you know they want to grow their brand by signing these familiar names so let me ask you kayla do you see it being something that some other fighters might be looking at as like that second fighting life after their mma career well let me first ask you a question did sure. Chuck Liddell speak up about showing interest in this promotion? He hasn't yet, but I actually feel like that would be a great idea for him. For his wallet. You want him to come back, but in the most dangerous way possible. <laughs> I would just say like it is. I feel like he was born for this more than he was born mm-hmm. for MMA. Yeah. And that's I saying mean- something. I think that uh, this it, it's weird because to me, just the way it sounds, again, I have to really look into the promotion and, um, you know, how long rounds are. But to me, it just sounds like it could be more damaging. So it's kind of sad to me if people are doing it just because they're trying to get paid. Um, you know, I, I never really want people to just be taking damage because they're trying to make a buck and, and their MMA career didn't work out. I want them to be fighting because they're still passionate about the competition and pushing themselves and building their legacy. So, um, that's great. If they had people that were showing interest after that means that, you know, they did see that there's a following and a fan base for it. What do you think? I think so. I think here's the thing. Uh, And I saw a fighter get asked about it and retweeted it. And they were like, why are so many of these older fighters or what have you, like no longer UFC level fighters talking about this? And the fighter said to them, because uh, retirement plans for MMA fighters are slim. That's why. And I was like, well... I mean, look, look, there's no victims in there, you know. You, you're in there because you signed up to do it and you know what's going on. So in that way, it's kind of like, why would I say a fighter shouldn't do that? Um, on the other hand, I think it's just really... I don't see it gaining much traction. I'm sure they will have a few events that are like, hey, I want to see Chuck or let's say someone else maybe try this and that fighter, you know, goes into it. I think that could happen, but I think that it's very, it felt very sideshow. And I think more so than even like early UFC, if that makes sense. So I think that's how, I think that's where its lane is going to be. I don't see it gaining much more momentum outside of that. Okay. But we will see. Kayla, if I was to do bare knuckle since you're training now, would you be my head coach? I will corner you any day, G. Are you that? Let me ask you, if I'm getting beat up, are you going to throw in the towel or are you going (laughs) to motivate me? Are you going to give me your best Friday night lights, just inspirational coaching speech? Well, I will always give you an inspirational coaching speech. And if I ever threw in the towel, it would only be because it would be what's best for you in the moment. You know, Your I kind of first. Your safety comes first. All right. All right. I appreciate. I appreciate that you care for me so much. But I'm not gonna lie. I'm almost like, what kind of things would you say to me to inspire me? <laughs> like, <laughs> if I saw you out there, I'd be like, Kayla. Remember, they all thought that you were just a pretty girl who can't fight, who isn't gonna do this. You go out there and you take this girl's head off, Kayla. You do it. I believe in you. You get out there and make me proud. Ding, Who ding, said ding. that? Now I'm pumped. I'm going to go fight. <laughs> I mean, I know you, I mean, you don't like some of the people who talk to me. So it's like, Kayla, you know, I know you're training, but remember, great power, <laughs> great responsibility. It's okay. Now, right. what, we'll what would be your, so, hey, what would be your go-to? <laughs> 
What were you going to say? What would be your go-to? Um, I'm a more in the moment type of person. I don't want to rehearse anything. I feel like when it's in that moment, I, um, you know, hopefully the world words will come to me. If not, I'm just going to say kick his ass. That's why you're the best coach in the business. Greg, Greg Jackson reincarnated right here. All right, so let's talk about this other one. It got some uh, controversy, really, this week. Dana White aims to do away with early morning weigh-ins. So Dana essentially said that fighters are not using it, essentially, since they started doing the early morning thing two years ago, that more fighters have missed weight than have actually made weight or that used to miss it before. And Kayla, before we talk about it, let me give you a statistic. Mm-hmm. In the two years leading up to the early morning weigh-ins, fighters missed weight 22 times. So just 22 incidents of missing weight. In the two years since you've had the option, or since you've been able to weigh in early, and then you do the ceremonial on TV weigh-in in the afternoon, fighters have missed weight 62 times. Three times as many. So I know that uh, a lot of backlash has been up publicly but clearly the numbers are saying something needs to be adjusted so i think that's why the conversation needs to be had what are your thoughts on him saying he wants to get rid of it yeah well one i think it's good that something has been said about this whether it be that fans started it fighters started it dana white started it the conversation definitely needs to be had because like you just said the numbers are proving that something's not working here it's it's really hard to figure out a solution. So I think that a lot of people shouldn't really give anyone shit about at least wanting to try something new because you have fighters that are able to make weight every time and not have an issue for it. And then you have fighters where, you know, it might be a matter of that they're in that weird, funky zone of, you know, the case where we need to add more weight classes and then it would be easier for them to stick to you know, uh, a weight closer to their natural state. Um, you know, and then so, and I think it's, um, I see the argument, I guess, on both sides because I feel like something I think you tweeted or maybe a conversation we had, this might be a way that Dana White's saying, because I know some people are saying, oh, now you're just trying to cater towards the Darren Tills, the Mackenzie Derns, the whoever, um, that, you know, are your stars that you're building up. So you're just catering to what's going to be easier for them. But maybe he's not. Maybe he's talking about this to try and, you know, tell them like, hey, you've been effing up, even though we're trying to make things better for you guys as far as rehydration, not being um, having to do interviews, meet with fans uh, while still going through a weight cut. Maybe this is his way of kind of uh, slapping them on the wrist. I don't know, but I think that when it comes down to it, something different has to happen. I like that today I read an article about how other promotions, smaller promotions have, you know, actually um, made rules to where you'll lose points in a fight if you yeah, come in off weight. Yeah, so there, there are other ideas out there that we can try or discuss a little bit because the other thing about it is yes fighters right now are being fined if they miss weight or sometimes the fight's been called off but it does seem like there's some people that either you know that's not enough of a punishment to where they care and they still are going to be lazy about their weight cut or it just comes down to the fact that they can't make that weight but they don't have somewhere another division to fight in and, you know, then that sucks even more that they can't make weight, they're unhealthy, hurting their bodies, and going to lose out on money. So I just like the discussion is happening. But what do you think, G? I think that there is question about an abusal of the system. So a lot of the stuff, like you said, it was supposed to be for safety. You know, you can do the ceremonial weigh-in where you look tough on TV and you could do the interviews, talk to the fans, and you're not still killing your body. All that was supposed to help the process, help the fighters out, correct? Mm -hmm. But now there's obviously that thing that a lot of fighters kind of discuss, like behind closed doors, like, hey, I may be about to miss weight, but I'd rather not kill myself 
because if I knock this guy or girl out in the first round, I'm still going to be talked about for a title shot. People aren't going to give me a hard time if this is my first time missing weight. And you have fighters say that. And I think there was a stat. I don't have it available, but they were like um, fighters, like something. It was like eight out of something. It was like a good majority. They missed weight and then they won their next fight or and they still won the fight. And it's like, well, look, you know, put it this way. You knock somebody out. That clip keeps getting replayed. They don't keep replaying clips of you, you know, in front of the commission with a towel. Exactly. So it's a, yeah, it's about exposure. It's about the way media works. It's about the way promotion works. So I do think that there's something to be said there about, you know, well, are fighters taking advantage of this? Now, in terms of just like actually getting rid of it, I think it's, you know, it's rewarding the people, or it's essentially reacting to the night, um, to the ten percent that miss weight, not the ninety or ninety-five, however many, who consistently do their job and get it done. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this: when you're the UFC, when you see the stats are reflecting that this is getting worse, I can understand why Dana White wants to put a sense of urgency on the fighters. So, for example. If let's say I know that this could happen, that they get rid of it, and I know I benefit from not having to weigh in officially at 4 o'clock on Fox in front of everybody, then if I'm a fighter, like, I understand, like, hey, I need to make weight. If I have a teammate, bro, you better get your button there and make weight because you're about to make this worse if you start missing also. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a way to get a bit of urgency in the fighters. Because now collectively, they're like, dude, I don't want to go back to the old way. I need to get in there and, you know, start cutting, do whatever they need to, be more disciplined between fights. I think that could be a tactic, if I'm being honest. But I think big picture, if he is serious about it, I would hope he doesn't. Because I do think safety-wise, it does benefit quite a lot of the roster. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is, you know, yes, all these stats have been building up, but I think one thing that a lot of people were collectively confused by is how Darren Till just recently missed weight. Like you said, won that fight, and then all of a sudden the whole missing weight thing was not completely swept under the rug, but definitely the attention was taken away from that. And then he was moved up to a number two spot and, of course, is going to be right there in in the talk of of getting a title shot. So like you said, like the punishment of just being fined, maybe some memes being spread around you, tweets, whatever, doesn't seem to be enough to really shake these fighters. Not saying that Darren Till is someone trying to take advantage of it, but, um, you know, if, if... you can look at it after all the process of him almost losing or losing his sight and doing that to his body. Well, of course, where is he at now? He's in a number two spot, um, you know, uh, just in a good place as far as his division. And you don't want him to forget everything he went through just to, because he's in a good place. Now we need to talk, discuss about how he went through a severe weight cut, hurting his body. So, yeah, I think that there just definitely needs to be a way to protect the fighters more. I find it really interesting, too, talking about the rankings a little bit. You know, the rankings are determined um, by media members, right? Yep. It's very interesting how the, the media, from what the news that I've been reading since that fight, you know, Darren Till was moved up to a number two spot, but I keep reading over and over again how people are, or media are putting out stories of, is it fair if someone lose or misses weight for them to, you know, still be in talks of a title shot or, or be moving up in the division or just like being looked at in a positive way. And that to me, like, that's where my conspiracy or politics, you know, ideas of, hey, what's going on here with the politics of the UFC come into play. It's just very interesting that media members would be writing all these, I guess, controversial articles about supposedly something that they did of moving him up. So I'm going to hit you with this one. A little bit of devil's advocate. Um, And I'm not part of the rankings thing. I'm, you know, I don't make that kind of cheese yet. The UFC values my opinion that much yet. But I will say this. If I were voting on the rankings, 
after the Darren Till thing, I would still move Darren Till up in the rankings. And let me tell you why. Yes, he does need to make weight. But at the end of the day, I know how big of a name he is. I remember the fight with Cowboy. And at the end of the day, weight cut or no, or weight miss or no weight miss, I think he's an up-and-coming guy who just beat the number one guy. He deserves to move up. And that, and, and yes, you know, that's not fair. But the fact is, he just beat the number two guy. That's kind of non-negotiable at the end of the day. And um, maybe if his weight miss was more dramatic, like, say, Mackenzie Dern, maybe I'd be having a different conversation. But knowing the circumstances, I think that we did see a very good and very um, just, I think it was a very fair miss by Darren Till. He needs to work on it. Clearly, we saw the stress he put his body through. So that's why I kind of put, I would still move Darren up. And I see your dog agrees with me. No, she's having nightmares about what you're saying. <laughs> I'm hurt. But no, I, I mean, that's my opinion personally. And I will say this because I'm glad you brought it up. Because by now, it made the rounds, the Darren Till weight cut video. Really, I think that's just another sign. Like, if you're going to get rid of early morning weigh-ins, you're going to have guys going through that. And hours later, they're already on TV to try to hype up this event. That just sounds like a recipe for disaster. And so I do think this is why you really got to knuckle down on it. You really have to figure out what you can do to improve the process. Well, we'll see. Obviously, they are discussing it, and hopefully they'll have a solution soon. Um, but, yeah, it's been very – it is was a subject that, you know, a lot of people in the MMA community had an opinion on, wanted to discuss, which is good because, you know, it just hasn't really had the light shed on it um, that it needed. No, definitely. And I think that as we get more time with it, we are going to – it's going to get better. I think that California, for example, does a great job in terms of monitoring fighters between fights and taking account where are they at in their weights and leading up to a fight so they're not doing some crazy to make it on a Friday. So I think we're taking steps in the right direction. I think this is just another hurdle that I think we're moving in the right way. Kayla, moving on, I'll be honest. I don't like to talk about other people's money because it's not mine. But I'm not going to lie. I was very impressed with the numbers. Forbes came out with their highest paid, you know, earners. Floyd Mayweather had only one fight last year, and it was with somebody you guys probably have heard of. He was the top paid athlete, and he made twice as much as Messi and Neymar, or sorry, Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo combined. If you guys don't know, um, put it this way. Soccer isn't big in the USA, but they pretty much own all of Europe and Spain. They're two richest athletes, and Floyd did it. Guess how big Connor is? Connor only fought once. He's only been a hot ticket for a while, and he was number four on the list. Kayla, damn. Yeah, all that trash talk got them paid, so... And of course, the you know hard work they put into it too. I mean, we all we all knew when this fight was finally put together that we knew these guys would get paid. But it is very interesting to see, you know, that they've made the Forbes list over this one super fight too. That's it's incredible. It's going to be something that's you know going to go down in history forever. Yeah, I mean, real quick. So Connor at number four, hundred million or ninety nine million officially. Cristiano Ronaldo, who people will know, famous a long time, third place, only 108. Leo Messi, 111. So definitely um, money talks, and I think that says a lot about just how hyped up the world was for the Conor and Floyd fight. But also being a part of the list, we also got a little bit of insight. And one of the things that Conor said is essentially – He was looking at being on that UFC 224 card, and it was going to be an interim welterweight title fight with Rafael Dos Anjos. Kayla, that one would have just been completely from left field for me. What are your thoughts on that story? 
Yeah, definitely from left field, but I, I see the intrigue there, you know, um, a champion, former champion versus former champion. I think the Brazilian fans would go wild. Uh, yeah, I think it definitely could have been a fight that sold for sure. And it's nice to know that there were plans for him to come back, but unfortunately, you know, he shot himself in the foot with going a little too far with the bus incident, but it makes me hopeful. It makes me hopeful that maybe he needed to, um, eat some humble pie and chill out a little bit. Hopefully, you know, he'll get past, uh, the, the issue at hand and come back and just get back into fighting. Gee, if Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, you know, years from now, or maybe not even years from now, if if they were going around doing a tour of um, basically like a seminar, an entrepreneur seminar on how to make money, are you going? How much would you pay for it? <laughs> well, as much as Kayla Beatty gives me to sponsor my trip because she believes in supporting my hopes and dreams. I'll say this. I would make so many friends that I'd get a ticket in there and I would just, I'd do everything. The tape recorder, video, my phone, pen and paper. I would get all the knowledge. What about you? Your networking skills are definitely impressive, G. Yeah, I mean, I would go because, you know, they're on the Forbes list. Maybe people didn't like the way that they were able to get on the Forbes list and the way they went about their business. But when it comes down to it, they're getting paid. They're staying relevant. They're getting those top fights and being looked at as the top athlete, you know, in in their um, job that they're pursuing. So I, I wouldn't mind getting a little bit of advice, writing some notes. Yeah, I think that um the thing, you know, why do they make so much money and why is the UFC part of it? Um, you got to remember production. So when you watch Floyd Mayweather fight, he is footing the bill for everything. Like, yes, he does have the deal with Showtime. Showtime, essentially, it's a mutual thing. They kind of pay each other to put the fights on Showtime. So when Floyd Mayweather's like, okay, well, you know, I'm this fight, all that money is, a, you know, the vast majority is going directly back to his bank account. And from there, he's covered his costs, but you're still left with this ridiculous amount of change left over. And that's why these guys are so great at doing it. And yes, that also raises the conspiracy because people who are not aware, it is, you know, they don't like to bring it up, but it's no secret. If Floyd signs to fight somebody because he's running, all, because he's paying for everything, he's also paying his opponent's purse. So that is why, you know, when people talk about, of course, he's undefeated. It's like, yeah, I, I understand what that looks like to the outside. But the fact is, it's business. And he clearly has perfected the boxing business in terms of in the ring and making money off of it. So I think it's something. Kayla, before we move on to a bit of 225 talk, let me ask you. So obviously the RDA welterweight fight would have been something. But then you also had the story they were going to do the four-man tournament, GSP, Connor, Nate, and Habib. What would you have rather seen Connor do, the tournament or go back up to 170? Oh, man. Um, I really don't like the tournament, even though I like that a lot of promotions are, you know, playing with that format. I just think that for the UFC and for those four specific fighters they had in mind – it would have just really, really upset one, I think, everyone else on the UFC roster. And, and you know, I think just would have added to that whole idea that some fighters are being favored and get, getting opportunities that others feel like maybe they haven't worked for or haven't put the time in as, as far as activity. So I think it really would have been bad for the sport of just um, keeping this sense of MMA community, I guess, together. So I'd rather go with the RDA Connor fight and maybe have that something like that later. What I'll be you? honest. Uh, I feel a little bit the opposite, um, but you for love different the reasons. Drama. Uh, why you got hear me out? Don't <laughs> hear me out like you do all the other people in your class choking them out, um, dude. So my thing is 
about it is how long have we been talking about Tony Connor, Connor Habib, all this stuff at lightweight. It's like, dude, you keep trying to do all this stuff. You need to handle your business already at 155 because those are big fights. I'll say it like it is. Yes, RDA Connor would have been cool at 155. At 170, we've already seen Connor really doesn't carry it compared to other natural welterweights. And let's say you, he did beat RDA. I'm sorry, but he in no world, in my opinion, beats Tyrone Woodley yeah. or any of these top three like Wonder Boy, Darren Till, Colby, other guys. He is he just doesn't have the size compared to them. People forget Nate Diaz isn't a welterweight. He tried to be, and he got destroyed. That's why he's happy at 155. And he doesn't talk trash about welterweights, if you ever noticed. So I think the 170 thing would have been a bad idea. I think we've been waiting long enough for some fights at 155. And that Connor still has some pull there. He doesn't have pull at 170, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I like that idea because, like you said, some, we've been waiting around for some of those guys to fight. It's just the names like GSP and Nate Diaz being thrown in there, I think, would have pissed a lot of people off. I, I agree. And I will say this, too. I There's nothing to gain if you're GSP competing in that, I, I'd say. And I also feel the same thing even about Nate. I don't think Nate would really be motivated i i mean yes it'd be a payday but i don't see him you know really competing past it it's not like it would be the return of nate diaz if he were to win it all i don't think he's motivated to do that and i think that is a big part of why we haven't seen him yet either so it's quite a lot but who knows maybe by the end of the year we're talking about it and i've had to change my tune so you never know in the fight game crazy things have happened I know, like, did you hear about that time that MMA fighter went to fight the world's best boxer? <laughs> and they made the Forbes list for it. Yep. All right, so fans, obviously this would be the part of the show where we go into our UFC 225 predictions. But we are actually going to be doing things a little differently. So myself and Kayla are going to be collaborating we are going to be releasing a YouTube video where we go in-depth X's and O's and all the other fun stuff from UFC 225, including, you know, who we pick to win, et cetera, et cetera, the stuff you guys are used to. So myself and Kayla will be sharing that for fans who really want to see it and get our thoughts. Um, so we encourage you guys to watch it. We also have great content across all of our multimedia platforms. So Really, we hope you guys enjoy it, Kayla and I. I mean, Kayla, you've been my guest on a lot of videos. What do you think about the ones we've done? Yeah, we've always had fun. Um, it's always cool to, well, I mean, I guess this one we won't be doing in person. We'll be doing oh, via Skype, but it's kind of fun sometimes to do it in person or, or just do it in a different format. Um, I have to figure out what I'm going to wear, and I'm very excited to see what your predictions are. But I know we've um we want to talk a little bit of just about some things that have been shared this week leading up to fight night. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many fun storylines. I mean, so without really breaking down fights, um, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero, Kayla, I'll say this: this one easily, in my opinion, the top three fights, the heart most difficult to predict this year. There's this one. There was Tony versus Habib. And there's Max Holloway, Brian Ortega coming up. Both of these men, in my opinion, so dangerous, so many weapons, could end quickly or by decision for either man. This one is so tough to call. I mean, what are your thoughts just on the matchup by itself? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you with those other two fights, too. Um, this one is, it's hard because in the first fight, there was some factors that came into play like Robert Whitaker, you know, um, the knee. That damage to the knee early on. Uh, we continue to see both men evolve. And I really think that both men really upped their skills um, or at least like are going to play with different skills and, and have Yoel Romero show different skills in his most recent fight. So 
and in this this fight, you know, the first one, there was moments for both fighters where, you know, it could have it we saw the potential for one of them to end each other. So I think that even though I don't know if this was really the targeted um fight that they were looking for for Robert Whitaker's first title defense, I'm not mad at this rematch. I still think it's up in the air. He said himself, you know, he's not sleeping on Yoel Romero. He's expecting him to come in, um, you know, quite possibly with a different game plan. And I think that, like you said, it's just so hard to predict, but that's what makes it really exciting. I agree. I mean, just really, when you look at top to bottom, the skills they bring, I mean, just Yoel Romero, just very dangerous guy. Robert Whitaker, I mean, if he is fully healthy, even healthier than he was the first time he fought Yoel, I don't know. I mean, the thing I don't like about it is this could easily be a one round fight. And, <laughs> you know, it would be anticlimactic, just like Jimmy and Marlon. But we could get another five rounds of just excitement. So I think that is so much. Also, I'll say this, and I was very vocal. I wanted to see Robert versus Luke because I felt like if Whitaker beat Luke Rockhold, that would cement him easily as the best middleweight, I think, of this just this decade, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you would argue he splits it with Anderson Silva, but I want to say Anderson lost it in 2013, the belt. Really, I mean, this is this is kind of almost for all the marbles when you consider their records. Let me ask you, the winner, where do you put them in terms of the middleweight division, like big picture all time, or at least, you know, this last few years? Yeah, well, I think, like you said, definitely in the top. They both have you know, big wins on, on some of the best middleweights ever, or at least, you know, who have been reigning for a while. And, yep. and in the fashion that they're doing it too. Obviously, we know Yoel Romero has those very fantastic finishes, exciting finishes. And then Robert Whitaker, just the way that he's progressed in the UFC and, and the way that he continues to add to, you know, his set of skills. I'm really excited that he just got his brown belt in jujitsu. So he's going to be coming in with that confidence and all of that, you know, knowledge added to his game. Um, but he's so young too. So I, I, we've said this, remember, I think we were talking last uh, year when we were going over who we think the breakout, um, you know, new star of MMA is. And there was a reason yeah. why he's one of our options because he's so young and the way he's evolving i'm sure that he's going to be known as one of the greatest uh middleweights oh well we'll find out on saturday we'll do so someone's got to win but we'll be talking about that on friday so stay tuned in um kayla this next guy and well okay so i i'll say it very bluntly kayla i am very aware of what colby covington has said I am very aware that it makes headlines. And I'm going to say to you very bluntly, I think that he crosses the line purposefully to get us to talk about him. I am not with that. I don't believe, I think he is crossing the line in a way that is actually very inappropriate too often. And so I don't like to give him the attention that I think he's looking for. That being said, he is fighting this week. So lucky Colby, we are going to talk about him a little bit. What do you think about his approach to talking his way to the welterweight interim title? Look, I really don't like it. And normally, yeah, I mean, ask me this last month. I was not about Colby, but there's something about him recently that has been. I can't help it, even though I don't want to laugh. He's cracking me up. I don't know if you watched the embedded episode yet, G, but like I'm laughing at him now, even when he's, I don't think, trying to be funny. If you watch him pack his suitcase, the way that he rips the clothes off the hanger and like as he's talking about being this like, you know, hot shit and number one guy and really talking himself up and showing up in suits, he doesn't know how to take clothes off hangers. And then he kind of rolls it in a ball, throws it in his suitcase. And at the end of that part of the uh, embedded episode, you could tell he's like struggling, um, zipping up his suitcase. And I'm just like... I don't know. There's something about him that just cracks me up lately. So I don't like his approach, but at the same time, I'm finding myself kind of watching more stuff that he's doing just because I want a good laugh. So he's winning me over, which is not something I'm proud of, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I think that we need, I need to see him fight and fight someone like RDA who's really been 
just um, picking apart his opponents in this new division and coming into each fight for me, showing, you know, a new level of him, um, you know, in this weight class. So I, I need to see Colby, I guess, back that up. And then um, I, I don't know if I'll ever be like a number one fan of his or whatever, but we all definitely need to see him um, back up all this trash talk. But it's going to be difficult. I, I, I'm excited to see who you think will win on Friday and see if um, your dislove or dislike for Colby comes into play when making your prediction. I mean, uh, look, I'll say it like it is. I'm very aware that if he didn't say a word, he would still be a huge threat to Rafael Dos Anjos, even though he's got a lot less experience. Um, Kayla, I hear what you're saying. I did see him roll up his suit and have struggles with it. And I did <laughs> laugh when he called RDA Rafael Dos Nachos. I, I didn't like that. I thought that was so clever and funny. But I'll be honest. Then he does stuff like call Mike Perry's ex-girlfriend a horse face. Yeah. Or say that Tisha Torres is dating Raquel Pennington because she can't have him. And, you know, I think saying some stuff that's not appropriate to say to the significant uh, about the significant other of another fighter or the way he's disrespected his own teammate in Amanda Nunes. I think that's why, you know, it's like. You know, I might actually enjoy you a lot more if you didn't do these dick moves, plain and simple. Um, it's too far. It takes the joke too far. And it yeah. Um, and also, I will say this. I don't give a damn what anyone says. The reason he didn't fight RDA in Brazil was because UFC didn't feel safe that they could actually protect him adequately. <laughs> I think so, too. I'll go on the record on that one all day, all week. So... Look, it's a close fight. It's a competitive one. Um, definitely, it's going to be one of, the, one of the ones we're talking about. I think um, it sets up for a big fight for Tyron Woodley, whether it's RDA or Colby. Colby, if it's the trash talk, RDA just really locking it down that he is the guy that Tyron needs to fight next. So it would, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on, um, Holly Holm, Megan Anderson... Finally, Megan Anderson in the cage um, for the UFC. Kayla, but Holly is saying she wants to go back to 135. I'm going to say, okay, so you know how I feel about Holly. Great fighter, great matchup stylistically for a lot of these girls. But I feel like there's just, she's biting off more than she can chew at 145. It's just more they're looking for fights to give these other featherweights like Chris and Megan. Mm -hmm. I feel like that sounded one foot out the door already. How do you match up? Yeah, you know, I think that it's hard to get excited about this fight if you're a Holly fan because she's been pretty vocal. She's not really planning on staying here. She even has kind of thrown it out of like, oh, this opportunity was presented. Why not? Um, but I think that each technical fight um, for her is just going to grow her MMA skills. And maybe, you know, there's something she's going to learn from this fight, whether she wins or loses, that she can take down to that eventual title shot against Amanda Nunes or whoever holds the title. I do like that this fight is happening for Megan Anderson because I think, like you said, maybe currently there's not a lot of competition. So I think that it's a great um, technical fight and just good – I don't want to say tune-up fight because it's not like it's going to be just an easy ride for her. Um, but I, I didn't want to see her just immediately get that title shot because she's been so dominant in Invicta and has her star power name. So I, I like the fight. Um, of course, I'll try to not give predictions. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to just get, I guess, back up the excitement for Holly in this 145 division if we know she's not going to stay there. I mean, uh, like I've said, I feel like she's still one or two away at Bantamweight because Featherweight doesn't have a lot of people. Bantamweight really doesn't have that many either right now. It's Ketlin Vieira and nobody else, in my opinion, that I think Holly would be better served trying to make that happen. Um, but I get it, you know, uh, maybe she feels like this locks in immediate. If she were to fight at 135, Maybe she doesn't have confidence that she could pass up Ketlin Vieira for a conceivable title shot. So, yeah, I think we got to wait and see. Um, 
the but winner, do you think Chris, that uh-huh. do you think sticking five rounds with Chris Cyborg and then possibly getting a win over Megan Anderson? I mean, that would give me a confidence boost going in and going against Amanda Nunes or Ketlin. Oh, I feel great. I mean, here's the thing. I think um, it's all. Remember, the champion gets to pick who who she accepts and who she doesn't a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And looking at it, I can't say that Amanda Nunes wouldn't elect to take Ketlin first just because she knows she could have to build up for a fight with Holly. So I think that's why Holly took the 145 because it's like, look, at 145, there's nobody else. Even if I lose the most razor-close split decision or win a very razor-close split decision, even if it's controversial, I still get Chris Cyborg. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a business decision, but no, for sure. If I'm Holly, I would feel great about going back to 135 after I've kind of, you know, shown I could fight with these big chicks. I mean, it doesn't get worse than Chris Cyborg and Megan Anderson in terms <laughs> of the hardest hitters of the division. And what's cool, I mean, what I really enjoyed about what I recently read um, and saw in Holly's interview is she does still have this drive to get back to a title shot to get back holding on to that title. So I I like that, um, you know, she's addressing how people are saying, oh, you lost your belt. Are you done with the sport? And she's saying no. And for whatever reason, she wants to fight at 145, like we're saying, to build confidence or just build more experience in there. Um, You know, that's cool. That excites me about her. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely there. And also, I always respect Holly. She's only lost to champions or title contenders. Mm-hmm. Valentina, Jermaine, Chris. Um, you know, it's not like she's been fighting scrubs. But, um, yeah, it's just really wait and see, I think. Uh, it's going to be a fun one, too. I, I think it could be a lot closer than people think. Um, Kayla... I'm not even going to go ahead and introduce the next one. You know which one it is. <laughs> uh, no, G, I need to hear you say it. No, I, I, I'll go, but I want you to introduce it because I want to get a good setup for how I get going. Okay. However you want to uh, start talking about it, I, I'll take your lead. Wait, what? You'll start however you want to, However you want to frame this one, I'll take your lead. Go ahead and talk about the next fight on the card. Well, if I'm correct, I think that the only uh, name that could stop G in his tracks, that he can't even spit out the name, it must be the CM Punk versus Mike Jackson fight at welterweight. The, the fight that a lot of people argue, and I feel like G's going to argue, should not be on the main card. Uh Kayla, have I told this story since we've been on podcasts? Um, why? I, I don't think you have. All right. So as quick cliff notes as I can, um, why do I dislike the CM Punk storyline in MMA? So before I was on MMA Daily and teaming up with Kayla Beatty and everything, I was covering UFC for another network and my co-host there, great guys, great minds for MMA, big fans of the sport, but they were also very involved in covering WWE and pro wrestling. So when CM Punk announced he was going to fight in the UFC, it was like Christmas came early and literally every day would be a lather, rinse, repeat of talking about CM Punk and I would have people who knew that there were other fights and all they would want to talk to me is about is CM Punk to the point that I just felt like I was losing my mind. Um, And there was a lot more to the story, which Kayla is aware. I told her just the depth of the CM Punk um, hype at that network was. And so at a certain point, um, oh, and I'd have the fans tweet me like, why do you not want to talk about CM Punk? CM Punk is going to X, Y, Z. And it's like, oh, dear Lord. Why? Say his name like you're... You got the bad pepper in the shishito pepper pile. You just don't even want to say it. You want to spit it out. Yeah. So CM Punk, look, um, so why do I not like talking about punk? Because uh, I got enough of it to last a lifetime. Now, I'm going to say this real quick uh, about it. 
Um, the reason I don't like talking about punk has nothing to do with punk if I really get to the root of it. it because if I'm being honest, if I wanted to try MMA and the UFC was like, I know you don't got experience, but I'll pay you a ton of money, I'd probably do what he's doing too. So uh-huh. it's really about that. But I think that you have to really frame it for what it is. When you watch CM Punk fight Mike Jackson, you are not going to see high-level MMA. You are probably not going to see even entertaining MMA. What you are going to see is two men who are using the UFC brand to fulfill their own goals. For CM Punk, it's to just try out something he's always wanted to do. If you're Mike Jackson, he wants to make himself seem like the baddest MMA reporter out there Because not only is he a reporter and a photographer, oh, and I beat down CM Punk on pay-per-view. That's what this is. This is not about good MMA at the end of the day. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that for me it's too early to say that because, and I I get where you're coming from, and I definitely think that this is a possibility, but I think it's going to be very similar to what's the reality star that just fought in Bellator like last Uh week or the week? Aaron Chalmers. Yes, thank you. You know, a lot of people were giving him uh, flack, Bellator flack, for putting a reality star in. But I feel like, though I didn't see, like you said, the craziest entertainment technical fight, I did see someone that looks like he's putting in the work there. So I think that before I have a very strong opinion about it, um, I, I just want to see these two guys display that they are putting the work in the gym. Um, you know, and, and, and you can tell if you watch enough MMA, if you're training yourself, you're a fighter, you can tell if someone's putting in the work or not. Um, and, and wanting to, ha- and that the passion's there, that they're wanting to have fun, that they're not just trying to breeze by by dancing around the cage for 15 minutes just to get that paid day that you're talking about. So, um, I'm willing to see these two guys give it a shot. I think that they're matched up very interestingly because of what you were just saying of them not um, having their backgrounds before their MMA careers. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. It's a wait-and-see game. I just want to see them actually apply themselves in there and, and see what they've been working on, which, you know, uh, CM Punk's coach says he's been putting in the work, so we'll see. Of course he's going to say that. What's he going to say? This guy hadn't been working out? That doesn't hype up a fight. He could have just, you know, stayed quiet. And I do like, I like that everyone's being honest that, yeah, they're going to use his name. He's going to use the company to be on the main car. The UFC is going to use his name to sell tickets. I'm not going to be mad at someone for being honest about their business politics or maybe i'll be mad about it but i'm at least going to respect you more if you're going to be honest about it i mean my thing is like when the coach says oh yeah he's gotten a ton better he's in great shape he's ready for this it's like of course you're gonna say that man you would say (laughs) that about me if i was your fighter and you knew they were asking you this is how it works um kayla you want to know how bad it got for cm punk for me how bad Okay, so uh, um, my mother, bless her, big fan of my work, would watch these shows and would see, you know, that people really, you know, felt a certain way that I wasn't on the CM Punk train. Do you remember how they had the Fox Sports 1 special for Mm -hmm. him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the three-parter, and it was a big deal because, like, you didn't do it for Stipe or Alistair, but you did it for Punk and his, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So... You know, my mother, you know, likes to be well-informed when she wants to talk to me about these things. She watched all three parts of the CM Punk special, and she would even tell me, I'm really hoping he wins. Oh, wow. And I was just like, uh, I remember I would be, you know, I'd go to the grocery store by myself and just, I felt very alone. It was very difficult. (laughs) This was a very difficult time in my life. It's You'll find your fellow haters. I'm sure one of our listeners feels your frustration and will tweet at you. Phil Brooks, I do think you're a nice guy, but why do you have to do this to me? 
Um, but yeah, you know, it was very, look, it's going to be a very interesting show. Um, Kayla, I'm excited. Uh, before we stop talking about it, I want to, your take on this opinion I have. I know that Stipe and DC are fighting next month. And I know that Brian and Max are the co-main event. But I really feel like top to bottom, this might be the more stacked card of even the 4th of July card. What do you think about it? Yeah, well, I think just a little bit that we've uh, discussed today, like you said, the Colby versus RDA fight is going to determine, you know, the champ's next fight. And both of them are great fights for him. So it's just what, you know, what a lot of these fights are going to represent, like getting Megan Anderson and, and seeing her debut. We She's the girl that everyone's talking about. We think could actually stop Chris Cyborg. So to see her first, first fight in the promotion is huge. Um, we have other fighters like Tai to Tuivasa. Um, I oh yeah, um, you got it. Is building up, and then of course, yeah, the main event. I, a lot of people collectively feel like this one is up in the air just because both guys are so um, skilled. So, and then they both deliver exciting fights. So, I, I I would argue like you that this might be the biggest fight card of the year, top to bottom, for sure. And what's crazy, the prelims, Alistair Overeem versus Curtis Blades, these are two top five heavyweights that are mm-hmm. thrown down on the prelims. You also have um, Claudia Gadea versus Carla Esparza. The winner of that one, in my opinion, is right behind Jessica Andrade for champion Rose Namajunas, too. All of this stuff, uh, Joseph Benavidez, number one ranked flyweight behind Demetrius Johnson, He's even opening up Fight Pass. It is crazy how many names are on the card. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Fans, like I said, we will be picking winners. We will tell you why and how we think they're going to get it done. All of that is going to be on Friday. Watch out for us on social media. Kayla, can I say where we're going to be at on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, so fans in the Southern California area, if you're fans of the show, both myself and Kayla are going to be taking in the action at King of the Cage in the Inland Empire. I want to say it's in Ontario. Um, Kayla, I used to live very close out there. I've been to many, many events at the Citizens Business Bank Arena, so I'm looking forward to getting back to one of my second homes on this lovely earth that we have, so... I'm excited. It's always the most fun to watch MMA with you because I feel like we're always on the same page. So it's going to be very fun. I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. So you'll be able to let me know where to park then if you've been to that venue a lot. Um, Oh my God, you can have my parking spot that they gave me. You have a what? You can have the parking spot that they gave me. Even better, VIP treatment. Um, yeah, I've been wanting to check out King of the Cage, so I'm excited to go to one of their events. Um, you guys, I have a really cool interview that I'm proud of and will be putting up. Well, actually, the company I write for, MMA UK, will be putting up, but I'll be sharing it. Uh, there is a fighter by the name of Ox, Walston Ox Williams. Super Ooh. A uh, wild story just about his life and MMA career, but he actually was the sparring partner of Francis Ngannou before his famous knockout of Alistair Overeem. So um, he, you know, shares a little bit of, of that and just has a very cool story. So that should be coming out tomorrow, the next day. If you guys want to check out some of my work at fangirl underscore MMA, but like she said, we have some exciting fight nights coming up that we'll be providing coverage and then, of course, our prediction video on Friday. So please check it out. Awesome. Yeah. So fans, you can find me at Double G on TV on Friday on our socials. You will see the prediction video for UFC 225. Kayla, I will see you this weekend. Fans, have a great rest of your week. And as always, enjoy the fights.